Hospitality Meets is brought to you by Rotacloud, the staff scheduling app for hospitality teams. Rotacloud lets you create and share rotas, record attendance, and manage your team's annual leave, all in less time than it takes to make a brew. It can also make life easier for your staff, allowing them to check their rotas, request holiday, and even pick up extra shifts, all through the Rotacloud mobile app. Start your 30-day free trial today by visiting rotacloud.com forward slash fill and find out how much easier managing your team can be. Welcome to Hospitality Meets with me, Phil Street, where each week we take a light-hearted look into the stories and individuals that make up the wonderful world of hospitality. Today's guest is Max Lawrence, Director of Hospitality Assured, the Business and Service Excellence Gurus. Coming up on today's show... Max tells us his favourite type of accommodation... A half-derelict medieval farmhouse. Phil prepares Max for what's to come on the show... And then... All hell breaks loose. And Max demonstrates that he may thrive on the odd risk. And he said, young man, you do realise you're committing yourself to one and a half million pounds. All that and so much more as Max chats us through his wonderful story so far, as well as giving us some insight into the fabulous work that Hospitality Assured are doing. As always, if you're enjoying the show, please don't forget to give us a subscribe, a like and a share across your favourite social channels. Enjoy. And a huge hospitality meets welcome to Max Lawrence. Good morning, Phil. How are you? I'm great. How are you doing? Great, thank you very much. Here on a cold winter's day, I think we're sunny both though, isn't it? Warm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Indeed. Well, I love winter when it's like this. When we get the sun comes out, it's dry, and it's just freezing cold. I quite like the crispness of that in the morning. Yep, I, I'm totally with you. It's those long, grey, dark days that uh, that really weigh down on you. I think. Yes, indeed. Anyway, here we are. Not even a minute in, we're talking about the weather already. But, um, we are. We're British. Indeed. It's part and parcel of this podcast. It's uh, it's, it's the norm. But yeah, so I, you're, you're Max Lawrence, but tell the world uh, what you do. So I'm Max Lawrence and I'm Director of Hospitality Assured. Excellent. And we will absolutely get into to Hospitality Assured, I suppose, later in the in the conversation as we, we go through your journey, as it were. But give us a, a kind of... 30-second snapshot pitch as to what is Hospitality Assured. Hospitality Assured really is a business and service excellence standard, and we look to change and improve service delivery through cultural change. We've all been on customer service courses and and all those courses, but unless you actually change the the fundamental culture of the organisation, it's, in my opinion, it's a sticking plaster job. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I think we've, we've probably all been on courses whereby you, you do the course and you walk away motivated and then two days later it's forgotten. It's never happened. Exactly. And that's really why people become demotivated and, and move on uh, yeah. to, to other organisations because those frontline team members need to be listened to and they need to be able to develop themselves very much so. Uh, one of my analogies is whatever organization the brand is in the hands of probably the lowest paid in, uh, colleague in the business mm, yeah so it's not the ceos it's not the back of house people that brand name is in the hands of those people that customers come into contact with and that's you know that's a massive responsibility and what we try and do at hospitality assured is ensure the infrastructure behind those frontline colleagues is in place to help them deliver what they need to deliver yeah it's a really great point because uh, you know you can have the greatest vision in the world but if that vision is not coming down 
the ranks and get and people are getting on board with it and there's some kind of communication lost in that process then yeah you've got a, a group of disengaged people who who don't really know why they're there other than to to do a bit of work to earn some money exactly and and we know what the situation's like in hospitality at the moment and we've got to switch from recruitment to retention mm. so it's retaining those people making sure that they're listened to that's it's imperative as we move forward yeah absolutely and as a recruiter i couldn't agree with you more you know i i've always said that actually if there was a day where us recruiters was not needed then you know my work is done here and i can move on to something else but uh, i'm not sure that's anytime soon but uh, in any case i think you've got quite an illustrious career before you Phil. i don't think you'll be going anywhere very soon illustrious yes that's not you know, i've never used that word before busy for sure um yeah but uh, but yeah no that's great well i mean before you did that there's obviously a bit of a backstory to to fill in so yeah. Same question I ask pretty much everybody that, that comes on the show. How did you get into hospitality in the first place? Well, my parents moved from, uh, unusually moved from London to Birmingham uh, for work. Uh, so we had no family really around us. So the friendships that were made within the city were our family, uh, largely. Um, and my parents were quite sociable people. So if there was ever someone that was on their own on Christmas Day or Easter or whatever, they would end up at our house. <laughs> um, right. And that was a great grounding, really. And it shows the the different, different people, different scenarios. But, you know, whereas my brother would say, oh, no, what are they coming for? I used to say, oh, fantastic. You know, can't wait. That, sort I'm of on thing. the bar. um so we you know we had a house where there was always people and I also had an aunt that worked in my family a lot are a big Kent family from Dover and my aunt used to work in a hotel in Dover and when we were down there she'd tell me all the stories of what went on and with guests and staff and I just found it captivating Mm. so hence I was one of the lucky young people because I'd already sorted what I wanted to do from about 14 and there were two choices it was go into hospitality or work for the National Trust. Right okay that was pretty clear cut that's what I, I want to do. And I was lucky because you know we all we've all listened to young people they don't know what they want to do and I but I was just one of the lucky ones. Well, yeah, you're also one of the the uh, elite few on this show who, in fact, who, who I probably can count on one hand actually the, the people that have been on who knew very very quickly and early what what they wanted to do. So I suppose that helps in many ways because it allows you to to jump on the path quicker. It did, it absolutely did. So I uh, when I left uh, school, I went to the Birmingham what was then the Birmingham College of Food and Domestic Arts. Uh, now UCB, who gave a fantastic grounding in all areas of hospitality, really to to a very high degree, you know, traditional flambéing and filleting at the table and and all all those all those wonderful disciplines that 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 make it such an exciting environment and theatre for the customer. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and another thing I've always been very passionate about is I consider it, again, probably not like most Brits, but I consider it immense privilege to give service. Right, okay. Well, you definitely went into the right 
industry then, didn't you? That um, because I, I think that that's that's something that's coming from the heart, like proper hospitality mentality, right there. Yes, it is. You know, when someone comes to you or your business with a life event, the the decision process selects your business, and that takes a long time. People research, they mm. look, they they have conversations, and that process when you come out as the, the the preferred provider they're handing you that baton to create a memory that's going to last them a lifetime and what a privilege is that no i, I could not agree with you more and and that i mean the ability to make people feel special in their moments where they want to feel special yeah. is is one of the greatest skills i think that exists on the planet absolutely and and as i say it, it, that 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 real moment where people come to you and they'll look back on, on that event that birthday that anniversary that wedding for the rest of their days on earth and they've given you the opportunity to create that memory mm. and as i say i i you know i, I probably am one of the <laughs> One of the few of the, the, you know, we're getting better at it. We are getting better at it. But uh, the Brits are not renowned for a service culture. Yeah, well, that's, that's, I suppose, one of the reasons why this podcast exists is to try and showcase to the world that actually what you might have learned about this industry is not strictly true. But, you know, equally, there still has to be something, I think, that comes from within. You know, you can you can see all of the wonderful benefits and, and you know, what a life this industry can give you. But still, there's got to be something within you that, that, that wants to, you know, put yourself in that environment and put yourself in the, the situation where you have the opportunity to, to give these people the, these wonderful experiences. You're, you're quite right there, Phil. And, and let's be honest, it, it, it's hard work. Yeah. And if, if, you're looking, if you're looking at the amount of work uh, you want to do when you uh, start a career, hospitality is definitely not at the top of the list because you have to you have to live and breathe the industry absolutely so you you went to college how did it progress from there um well again i i got my sights fixed on joining holiday inns i knew who i wanted to work for they've been in the country for a few years, they were still doing their rollout program, um, and it was still the Memphis-based Holiday Inn Incorporation. Right. It was an exciting prospect because it was an American organization. It was very American-driven, and I did a lot of research on different uh, management training programs, but the aim of the Holiday Inn program was to learn every job in every department. It was as simple as that. Right. And that really appealed to me because my ultimate goal was always to open a small hotel of my own. And oh. I thought, right, if I learn every job in every department, I'm getting well on the way. Yeah, um, plus it was, I suppose it would also give you insight into actually the thing of all of these things that actually excites you the most. Because, you know, you, with the best will in the world, it's, there's usually an area of specialism that you then would go after. That's, that's right. So, you know, I started in the restaurant and again, we talk about the industry being heavy, heavily influenced by people from overseas. But back in those days, I was the only English person in the restaurant. Really? Right. <laughs> it was it was solely Italian. Right. And wow. again, I had a very good restaurant manager and he said, you're obviously one of the, the British nationals that can 
throw themselves wholeheartedly into service. But I went through the kitchens, room service, bars, reception, switchboard, HR, housekeeping, uh, accounts. So it was a really, really good grounding. And I ended up, interestingly, as the senior night auditor. (laughs) Right, yeah. So, I mean, that's quite a specialist avenue to head down. What was it about that, I suppose, that that kind of excited or was it just one of those things an opportunity presented itself and you you thought actually let's give that a go well I I felt that I'd had plenty of the practical experience and I knew my weaknesses were in uh, in the accounting side of things right Um, so at the end of the the program I was a night auditor night night manager night auditor uh, and that con- and that really continued, and that that was a great I, again. It was a great grounding for collecting today the day's revenue, forwarding forwarding it to head office, uh, etc. So I suppose I was plugging my my skill gap, my my weaknesses really. Yeah, but uh, equally, it's it's a side of life within uh, a hotel that you know is essential, and it's uh, you're generally pe- speaking the people who are on the night's team have full responsibility for the the hotel through the night absolutely and it's a tremendous responsibility mm. when you you know we i was in a hotel with 304 bedrooms at the age probably of 20 right and when the night manager was off we were in charge so you've got potentially five to six hundred people if those fire alarms go off yeah Totally. Well, and, and you see, uh, at night time, you see the very best and worst of people as well, don't you? <laughs> you definitely do. It's a, it's, it's a colourful existence. Mm. It's frustrating when, when your mates are all going out and having a party and you've got to go to work. But actually, the entertainment passes the front desk. <laughs> yeah, it, no question. Yeah. And uh, well, anyway, we probably don't need to go into that. But um, yeah, suffice to say, there's, there's generally usually stories that follow people who've worked on nights. Yes, oh, oh, there, are, there are plenty of plenty of stories. <laughs> yes. Excellent. OK, so um, what happened next? How long were your nights for? Um, so I did about 18 months on nights. Uh, then at the end of the training scheme, I really, again, thought I should go back and do a little bit more of practical experience so took a job as assistant banqueting manager uh with what were they what was then emi hotels and thoroughly enjoyed that but really felt that again i hadn't quite mastered the full accounting process within hotels so i applied for a job with lonro uh, who then owned metropole uh, Tiny Rowlands and Lonro, and took a job uh, at the Birmingham Metropole, which is eight hundred rooms. I was say it's a beast. A cinema, three restaurants, shop, and I, the job that I applied for was a revenue controller. Right. Okay. Well, straight into the dip end then. We did, and it was the. <laughs> it's the only time I've taken on a job and sat at a desk and thought, what the hell have I done? Right. <laughs> because I don't understand a thing that's going on. Right, yeah. But well, I suppose in some ways, as long as somebody's willing to take the chance on you in that environment, uh, and you've got the willingness to learn, then you know that th- these moments can be the making of you. That's quite true. Um, it was a massive leap of faith mm. by my boss, David Watson. 
Um, but he was a hotel individual through and through. And he obviously spotted something. And I, I then worked with the revenue team and learned practically everything I needed to know about the accounting side and taking previous day's figures, making sense of them, doing audits and, and all that type of thing. Mm. And it it was a fascinating role because we touched every department. So yeah. we 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 did the auditing in the restaurants, the kitchen, shop, the cinema, reception, the bars. Um, Quite so a lot of transactions. To... It's a lot of transactions. Yeah, yeah. And it's a lot of people. So you you practically knew everyone. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And and was this still? Did you still have this very clear objective in your head at this point in time that I I still want to have my own place? And so actually understanding. The accounts is massively important as a as an entrepreneur in any kind of environment. Obviously, you're you're probably a few steps away from that yet. But was that decision to to really focus on the accounts driven by that motivation? Absolutely, it was right. um, because I was all I was I was always terrible at maths at school. Right, it really wasn't my strong point. <laughs> and, and I knew that if I was if I was going to run a business, I had to get this under my belt. I had to understand it, what was going on. Yeah, you highlight something really important there, I think, in the sense that the the learning environment school is not for everyone. But actually, if you put yourself into a position whereby you have a you know what your objective is and you know that in order to get to that objective, I need to fill in these blanks along the way, it transforms the probably the excitement to learn and the the ability to learn because you're actually you're doing it because you've got a very clear objective. When you're learning maths at school it's very generalist in that respect and unless you've got a very clear vision that you know you want to go and work in finance or um the financial services sector or whatever it's kind of like well why do i why do i need this why do i need to understand the intricacies of mathematics but actually when you then put that into the live working environment whereby it makes sense as to well i need to understand the 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 even if it's only loosely at this stage the the pnl of the business and and where the revenue is coming from and how we control that and how it all you know, intertwines into itself and, and that's how we then produce reports and so on and so forth. It's a very, very different learning experience. It is. And and, and again, you, you've hit the nail on the head because I can, I can remember sitting at my desk at school and being taught algebra and pie charts and, and all this type of thing. And I'm thinking I'd rather learn how to work my tax out. Indeed, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, well, that's probably a conversation for a different podcast, but the, uh, but the, 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 life skills that are associated with these subjects are a different ball game altogether aren't they i mean you know the yes algebra and trigonometry and all of these things i don't think i've utilized any of these things since uh, i left school but um but nevertheless some of the basics that come with maths can then be applied to a lot of different elements of, to your life and uh, not just your career but but anyway as i say that's that's a different podcast discussion probably <laughs> but yeah, so you're you're in as a revenue controller. How long were you doing that for, and, and what happened next? Um, I was revenue controller for about four years. Felt that actually I understand this now, and you, you know, uh, I've got this skill under my belt. And then really, I thought, right, I need to do some European experience. Oh, and interesting. I. Always retain my contacts within Holiday Inn. And the brand was rolling out in Switzerland. And they did a partnership with Move and Pick, a, a Swiss company. Yeah. And 
I was offered the job of managing the food and beverage at Zurich Airport. Right. Well, um, that's a that's a different ball game altogether. It was. I, 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 I've jostled between accounting and, and practical skills right the way through my career, really. Right. And this was really putting the Americanizations of Holiday Inn into a traditional Swiss environment, which was fascinating. Fascinating, uh, I'm reading as a code word for challenging. <laughs> yes, it was. <laughs> and, and also learning a new language. Mm. Yeah, which, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, which, which I thought I knew the basics of, but what they call Schweizerdeutsch, the, the Swiss German is very different from German. Right, right. So again, once again, I ended up, taking a job and being totally perplexed for the first for the first few months trying to work out what was going on what yeah. are these people saying to me God. I mean there's a, there's a lot to unpack there actually because when you've transferred back into suppose, a live practical environment two different country three an airport hotel four now leading F&B as well and the thing about airport hotels as well I guess is that they can be incredibly quiet and then all hell breaks loose Absolutely. At the flick of a switch, yeah, it can change with yeah. an air, aircraft breakdown or, or whatever. As you say, you can go from, from low occupancy to full occupancy within half an hour. Yeah. And that's all hands on deck. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So you're, you were F&B manager? Yes. That, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So um, I suppose now in leadership position as well. So at what age would you have been at this point, Max? Uh, about 22. Okay, 22. so still, still quite young. Yes. Yeah. In, in that respect. Um, and it was at this stage that I had a letter out of the blue from my boss, who, who I'd left at Metropole, to offer me his job as he was moving on to, to group. So actually going from that young, what on earth's going on, to actually being offered the, 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 the revenue manager's job was quite uh, a revelation. I didn't take it, but it was a great endorsement uh, of the work that my boss had put into me. Yeah, well, I thought, I thought you were about to tell me that you did take it. And, and no. here's, here's you wrestling again between uh, <laughs> operations and, uh, and finance-related activity. But, um, and so, because you mentioned that, you know, especially moving countries and into this different role that the early stages of that were quite challenging yeah i suppose that the key thing and there's probably a, a great message in here is, is that that that's probably inevitable right that through your career that you come across these places whereby and these roles whereby you are going to feel like you're out your depth in the early stages but um it's worth sticking them out i think on a, a, a lot of occasions sometimes you're just working for the wrong people in the wrong place in the wrong job that just happens but uh, what what kind of what made you stick it out i suppose rather than taking what what appears to be the easier option which is go back to the the safety net of of something that you were very well immersed in before this really because i knew that i needed european experience right if, okay um at the at, at the time switzerland was vying with france if you like uh, as the epitome of the the culinary world right and I knew that I'd, I'd got to have, for my CV, I'd got to have that European experience. And plus, I was thoroughly and thoroughly enjoying life in Switzerland and really being back in the fold of the Holiday Inn uh, Corporation again. 
Right. Okay. So there was a in in that list of pros and cons. There was more pros. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And I can be quite stubborn, and I wasn't going to give in. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a good trait in this circumstance. It's, a, it's a definitely a, a good trait. So, um, how did that progress then? From from there, what happened next? So I, I, I stayed in Switzerland for a couple of years, and then it became apparent to me that I needed. I, I got the large corporation experience by this time. Um, so I really needed to look at how a small business ran. And I took a job back in the, the UK at a small country house hotel in the Midlands as assistant manager. And really trans took my large corporation hat and uh, scaled it down to, to the country house environment. Uh, again, a totally different experience, mm. totally different uh, with you know ten employees, uh, an owner, and again that was that was most it was enjoyable. It was very different, but almost going back to to those holiday in days where you you were every job in every department there. Yeah, but I guess that that starts feeding into uh, this. You're back to your original motivation uh, around, and you're when you're at the the very junior end and you're having to learn all of these different things. Even when you climb the ranks and you go into an environment like that, whereby, yes, your job title gives you this, and maybe there's a job description that says that's your remit there. But in a, a smaller environment, generally speaking, you, you've got to take the blinkers off and you've got to be looking left, right and centre and up and down and sideways and, you know, and looking after every part of the business, even though that might not officially fall on your, your job spec. It, yes, and and uh, you know, and it goes back to this uh, customer service excellence of, of which I'm so passionate about. At the end of the day, if it's not your role and you see it going wrong, you have to intervene mm. um, because it's not you, it's not the person that's delivering, it's the customer experience. Yeah. And for me, that is, that will always. How is this impacting that customer? Yeah, absolutely. And I think maybe a lot of people don't look at it that way they, they look at it that I'm, I'm there for my job and this is all about me but um, and whilst that's true to a certain extent you know you've got to you've got to be happy in, in the thing that you do but nevertheless in in service environments we're generally there for the delivery of service to someone else that's right you you are and and you know it, it's those it, it's those moments and those those memories that are being created all the time yeah and there's no action re the, the, there's no replay no Indeed, absolutely, and well, and especially in the day, the days and times that we live in now, whereby feedback can be immediate to a great deal many people uh, across the stratosphere of of the of the social media world. Yeah, and and from my perspective, that is probably a good thing. I know the 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 user generated feedback systems are sometimes not the best friend of hospitality. But it does make you look at what you're doing. Mm. And, you know, yes, I mean, you, you have to evaluate the comments, but largely because businesses that get it right will thrive. Yeah. And you can also gauge, you know, if one person complains about the broccoli, uh, and I always use that as, the, as my reference point because we used to get so many uh, complaints about undercooked and overcooked broccoli <laughs> on ships. Couldn't keep everybody happy with the broccoli. That was the, um, the long and the short of it. If you get one complaint about that, then that's fine. You can you can take these things on the chin, you can deal with it. But if you're getting 10, 20, 30 of the same thing, then clearly there's a systemic issue that needs to be fixed. Absolutely. 
absolutely and it and it makes you look at those issues if they are you know if they are reoccurrences you do need to look mm. you, it, um, again it, it, food is certainly uh, a subjective matter um, and we'll all have a different opinion but you do have to listen when it certainly wanders off the the, the straight and narrow shall we say yeah absolutely yeah so uh, how did that develop then from from there uh, and into the country house environment very different from a massive corporate where I suppose there's reams and reams of structure and support but in a country house environment you kind of take a lot of that structure away and you have to be the support for for all things and everyone yeah how what happened next uh well I I, I thought I enjoyed it uh but I did miss the large corporation ah, okay world I find that very interesting actually because because of the, I suppose your desire to be, you know, to have your own place at some point. Are we still working towards this goal at this point? We are. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, in, in many ways, my brain goes to actually moving into a smaller, independent environment is going to fit your skill set better for when you go to get your own thing. Because the, you know, the chances of you taking over a, a massive corporate organisation as your first foray into the world of hotels ownership is probably slim. Um, but well, you never know, you never know, but um, yeah, so interesting that you missed that and so felt that you that you wanted to go back, but uh, yeah, I suppose crack on with uh, with the story and, and your thinking. So it, it wasn't so much a, a structured move as a headhunter move. Um, okay. I was the next role I took was uh, for a, a, a quite a different role for a global book, a, a global conference and booking agency. Right. Okay. And we put together conferences and events for high net worth in, and, and hotel accommodation for high net worth in individuals. And that was great because it, 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 the experience that I got, you could identify decent hotels, you got lots of networks. And it was a very different, um, again, this was very much, if you like, a more of a marketing and crafting personal experiences role. And it, it, was, it was great. We had, we had a great team uh, there. And that gave me, if you like, exposure to lots of different styles of businesses and hotels and different rankings and where people would fit in the overall uh, scheme of things um, but again it, it goes back to uh, fundamentally providing an outstanding service for the client that you're looking after mm. and again creating those memories yeah this is definitely a, an underpinning message through your whole career so far and actually in fact what you're doing now still speaks to this completely yeah uh, so that again I suppose clearly you you have always managed to find the the thing that yes okay there's going to be tough moments and some of the work will be hard but it's still the thing that speaks to your heart and it's still you know your reason for getting out of bed in the morning and and all of that kind of stuff yes the reason i get out of bed is to make a customer's life better yeah i like that that's going on a t-shirt for sure (laughs) that's that's kind of like there's there's the marketing tagline for uh, hospitality right there (laughs) it may sound cheesy but to me, it's the it's the most important thing, yeah. and it's it's this dedica- uh, dedication to service. And I, and and I will go back to the Birmingham College of Food mantra, and it was service before self. Right. Yeah. Uh, but you know, as I, I think you have to have 
even a little bit you don't have to be fully consumed by that concept but you have to have a little bit within you if you work in hospitality and it doesn't matter whether you're uh, a waiter or a finance director or a ceo i still think you need to have that uh, even five percent of you that gets that and really lives by it on a day-to-day basis so um and i i stayed there for a couple of years and I'd worked with a, a lady there whose husband was in the in West Midlands Police, and she developed a stepping plate, a forensic stepping plate. And whereas the stepping plates traditionally used at a scene of crime were metal, so they were heavy, you couldn't see through them. And she had a light bulb moment as these were being put down at crime scenes why if if there's evidence under there we can't see it Mm. so she started and it was a very long process for her of developing a see-through stepping plate from uh you know from various materials and of course these stepping plates had to take the weight of people and you know so they had to be robust and there were a lot of challenges it took her a long time but eventually she got recognized with uh, an mbe for her services services to stepping plates <laughs> so this is this is a lady i worked alongside strangely enough we we were at a traffic island uh, outside the nec and we both pulled up alongside each other having not seen each other for i don't know two years or so and she just wound the window down and she said i want you call me Okay, job interview and that done. Was it. <laughs> so, she, um, so I had the call, and she was looking. She she now established uh, a, a company with offices in Perth, in Australia, and in the UK. And she was obviously selling stepping plates, senior crime stepping plates, and all sorts of forensic paraphernalia, and also doing dark web tech, looking you know for criminals and this type of thing and I thought what on earth is this going to be but she was looking for a role really because it was they were going international she was looking for someone to lead the hospitality role for the British embassies across the world so when they were rolling these out to a new country the British embassy would host so I would manage the hosting of the uh, and the liaison and also the hospitality of uh, people coming to the UK to look at these stepping plates and the and the forensics etc. So hence you would they're they're not obvious bedmates forensics and hospitality no but uh, it well, works. hospitality is everywhere it seems <laughs> body bags and everywhere God yeah jeez. I, I, I think I don't think I would ever have expected to hear these things in the same sentence uh, when I, I conceptualized this podcast. Um, <laughs> but um, but no, I mean, I, I suppose it's at the heart of that. If you take away the forensic element and actually just look at the business element, where, again, ultimately, she's selling a product slash service to people, to other businesses, then, you know, you need to you need to consider the, the guest journey, the customer journey on that, that whole process as well, don't you? Absolutely. And as we'll touch on later with Hospitality Assured, that's that's a massive part. Hospitality is everywhere. Mm. And I spent a, I, I spent a really great five years with with them. But again, I needed to, to get my own business. I, I was 
so I took a lease on a a, a restaurant in Stratford upon Avon. Oh wow! Okay, so here we are. This is this is the moment. This is the the I'm, go <laughs> I'm going in with two feet now. That's right, and it's probably about ooh, uh, late twenties, early thirties at this point, and. I can remember the solicitor sitting me down as we were about to sign the lease. And he said, young man, you do realise you're committing yourself to one and a half million pounds in this lease, don't you? <laughs> uh, and did, so, you, did you realise you were doing that or, until uh, that moment? I, yes, I did. Okay. I did. But it, it, was, it was a massive gulp yeah. as, as that signature went on onto the paper. And really crafted from a business plan concept and everything a uh, an all-day brasserie and french patisserie right um and we, we we i was looking for quality because that's as you know the career suggests that's what i've always been looking for so we did a lot of work and we ended up uh, having a partnership with Jenny Blanc, which is Raymond's uh, first wife, right. and Maison Blanc, the patisserie side of the business, and it had been a divorce settlement. So we launched a Benson's in Stratford-upon-Avon, which was, as I say, all-day brasserie, baguettes, patisserie, etc. And one of my other passions then became French patisserie. <laughs> I can't imagine why. It's not something to get passionate about very easily once you've had a couple. <laughs> and we had a fantastic team there. We, we really did. We're, it was a very international team, French, Italian, Australian. Uh, we had colleagues from all over the world. And we were all very young, really, right. or, or quite young. But it worked. And I was Thankfully. With... <laughs> uh, and, and I was uh, uh, and I was with the well I, I had the business for about 12 years oh nice right yeah and then sold on to new to a new operator and the business is still going in a different guise hey ho you know yeah. when when you have your own business you have to let go five-star hospitality means having the right people in the right place at the right time and that's exactly where RotorCloud can help RotorCloud is the online platform that makes planning rotors, recording attendance, and managing annual leave easy. Its simple drag-and-drop interface lets you create and share rotors with your team in minutes. While our built-in budgeting tools mean you'll know exactly how much you're spending on staffing before sending the rotor out. RotorCloud also makes life easier for your staff, allowing them to check their rotors, request time off, and pick up extra shifts, all through the RotorCloud mobile app. Start your 30-day free trial today by visiting rotacloud.com forward slash fill and find out how much easier managing your team can be. Yeah, indeed. No, I, I, I relate in some ways because my, uh, my mum and dad had a, a little hotel on the west coast of Scotland on an island called Tyree. And actually, they only had that for about 10 years. They uh, put their heart and soul into that for, for 10 years, but I think we're ready to, to leave. But there was this period afterwards where we all always just used to peer over and what are they doing what what you know what's what's that now and it's you know it's now completely uh unrecognizable from from what it what it was when they they had it and so it should be because you know the the area evolves the the business requirement evolves and all of these things evolve through through time don't they so if you're not if that business doesn't evolve it'll just get stuck uh in a, a little time warp it's ex exactly and it, it's it's a, it's one person's vision 
Yeah. And what what is your what someone else your vision isn't necessarily how someone else sees it. So mm. one of the one of the uh, disciplines now is when when I've stepped when I've stepped aside from uh, a business is don't look back. Yeah. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So where does that take us up to, Max? How, how old were you when you, you sold the business? Uh, I was probably in my early 40s then. Right, okay. So, um, yeah, you took, a, a, I suppose, a, a, a risk taking it on, but it sounds like you kind of knew exactly what you were doing and what your, your vision was. So in some ways, of course, there's always risk attached to these things, but you've got to take risks uh, in, in life if you want to, to get ahead. But it sounds like it was a, a, a calculated risk. It was, and I'm, I'm a great believer. If you deliver quality, people will always come and find you. Mm. Yeah. Uh, it was, as I say, it was just that solicitor moment. It was a re- that was a real sort of wow. <laughs> this yeah. is it. Wow. <laughs> um, yeah. Did your did your hand hover over the contract for a moment? <laughs> <laughs> I think I think the signature might have been rather shaky. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Indeed. Well, I, you know, at the end of the day, though, I one point five million. Uh, contract is one thing but that's obviously over the lifetime of the contract um, right. so you know you're able to then as long as you can get cash flow into the business then it doesn't really matter if that's you know 10 million as long as it can be serviced exactly and that and that's what it was but we, but we did have some challenges because uh it was at that point we then had foot and mouth um, oh, goodness, right. which got thrown at us which as a if you like a country market town made a massive impact when the government was saying you know don't go to the country don't go to the country mm. and we had all that messaging and business probably dipped about 25 percent and then we had 9-11 and in a town like Stratford-upon-Avon the impact was massive right um, and business probably dipped 50 percent for a year Eesh, right so it, that's uh, I suppose what they call it in the godfather go to the mattresses get you know roll your sleeves up purpose now becomes about enduring the downturn uh, as opposed to uh, you know making hay uh, as it were yeah and you go into survival mode yeah absolutely you do uh but it again it's a great business and a great life experience mm. because you realize that it's not business is not all roses and and everything in full bloom <laughs> so, you know things can wilt <laughs> Indeed, but I, what is it? This there's an old cliche I kind of live by is that you use the good times to prepare for the bad and the bad times to prepare for the good. And um, COVID taught me that actually. And thankfully, I'd been I'd been using the good years in the run up to COVID to prepare for something that I didn't know was going to happen. So you know, but it is business uh, positivity is cyclical. So you know, nothing good lasts forever and nothing bad lasts forever. So, but it's about your ability to endure the bad. Uh, I think is ultimately where you can you know, you can win in business uh, in the end. Uh, although there's probably days where you think, God, what, what am I doing? <laughs> and how am I going to survive? Yeah, <laughs> but you, you you have to have the the resilience to actually stand those. And uh, and you do. Yeah. You do, you, you do find it in a resilience uh, because it's not just you, it's your team. Mm. But I also, I think this is a really important message because, you know, I, this is a, a podcast that exists to shine a light on the, the great and good, but it's not naive enough to understand that, you know, everything is always perfect in every single moment of life. You know, there, there's always downturns, but it's how we, excuse me, how we uh, unite together to get past these downturns, is, I think, is the, is the key element for me as to how we, how we win as an industry. 
Yes, yeah, I agree completely. And then after that, there was still this nagging. I still haven't achieved that small pro- that that small hotel, and I'd always had a vision for it to be in the West Country, right? And an opportunity, a rather strange opportunity, because it was working with the National Trust which was going back all those years to the start of my career. Yeah, it, it, it was the marriage of both of those. And they had a project on the Somerset Devon border where they'd taken a medieval house and renovated it, but the, the project had run out of money. Right. And they were looking for somebody to finish the project and take the business on. So the next part of it saw... Saw, us, saw me trundling down to the West Country to a half derelict medieval farmhouse. I mean, that sounds like a money pit to me. <laughs> it was rather. Right. <laughs> but it, I knew it would work. Right. Because I'd been storing up all this, all these thoughts and uh, all these, well, when I get my, when I, when I do it, I shall do it like this type of thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. And obviously, for me, as I'm sure for you, um, sort of staying in hotels, going to restaurants is as much as a hobby as it is a profession. Yeah. Um, and we all say, don't we? Oh, well, I would do it like this, and I would do it like this, and no, and that was my that was my opportunity to yeah. really put my uh, to to do that. Um, and it took 18 months. It was a year and a half project to to, to get open. Right. Um, although it's a long part, time without revenue. It was. And it was supposed to be a 12-month project. Uh, and all the the marketing, etc., was was all planned for, for 12 months. But like all these things, they always take longer Just, than, yeah. than you think. Um, it always seems to, don't they? We got open for uh, Mother's Day and we were hammered. Right. <laughs> Hammered in terms of busyness, not through alcohol. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it really gave gave the opportunity to really put those thoughts that I'd had all these years into perspective. You know, we would send a guest uh, a pre-inquiry form when they made a reservation, why they were visiting, uh, what their hobbies were. We had mini bars in the rooms and... I've always hated mini bar charges because you actually, you know, you think, oh, shall I have a G&T or shall I have a bottle of wine? And then you look at the price and you think, not a good plan. Mm. <laughs> you know? um, and I wanted people to come away and take that away from it. So, yes, it was a mini bar. And we used to ask them what they, whether they like red wine, white wine, what their favorite juices, mixers were. And we would stop the mini bar with all their preferred brands and choices and it was included in the room rate right right yeah sounds like such a a simple a simple philosophy but actually can see how how that adds value to the guest experience and again we we knew their hobbies okay you know whether they were garden foodies whatever Mm. so then we could tailor the magazines in the room to their hobbies right nice so it was all these nuances that, that we, we could do, even to the fact on when they checked out, we would clean their windscreen on the day of checkout. Gardner would clean the windscreen. Yeah, but you're just leaving a good impression, aren't you? 
and putting put a little card on wishing them a, a safe journey and a little bag on the, the car door handle with sweets and water for the journey. Nice. It's not rocket science and it's not difficult. Yeah, and not ultimately that expensive. Um, no. um, also, you know, and you're adding, you're just, you know, everybody talks about the fact that, you know, always make sure you get your breakfast right, your breakfast offer right, because it's generally the last experience that, that people have or last food food experience that they'll have in your, your premises. But actually you've taken that to the actual last experience of them being in our contact. Um, this is what's going to happen. So what can we do to make that experience interesting and different and, and you know, get them leaving on a, a high? You're right. You know, you've hit the nail on the head there. And on our TripAdvisor review, the one thing that nearly every review mentioned was that last moment that, oh, were well, they even cleaned the windscreen for us? Yeah. Um, so like, that, that just, yeah, you've... Because I suppose historically it's, you know, check out at desk. Was everything okay? Yeah, lovely. Thanks very much. See you another time. The the feeling is, as our, you know, oh, well, we've got your money now anyway, so just go, you know, let's get the, the room turned over and get somebody else in. But actually what you've done is, is that you've already checked out with us, but, you know, we've we've loved having you here and we're going to just show you a little bit of love before you head off. That's it. That's it. And, and you know, the, all the research shows that, that those last, as you say, the breakfast, those last departing minutes are the most important. We just took it a step further and it just proves the fact that those last minutes are vitally important mm. because that's where the, the, the trip advisor reviews and the feedback that we had. Yes, they mentioned the minibars. Yes, they mentioned the, the, the magazines in the room, but the most frequent and the, probably the cheapest thing to do was that windscreen cleaning. <laughs> yeah, yeah, incredible, isn't it? But um, yeah, so how long did you have that business for? Uh, seven years. Okay. Um, was that seven years from purchase or seven years from opening? Uh, seven years from opening. Right. Uh, so as I say, this, this mar- we, we had a great relationship with the National Trust because it was a lease from the Trust. And you know, it was a, a considerably successful business. And we went on to win uh, Best Small Hotel in the UK uh, from Visit Britain. Right. Which was a tremendous accolade That's to the team that insignificant. we had. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and really after that, you think, what next? Mm. Well, because you've also, you've achieved that original goal now, right? You've, you've done it. Tick. So yeah, how do you how do you reinvent what's as you say what's next? And I'd always be right from my days with Holiday Inn. Uh, I, I was always fascinated by consistency. How do you deliver deliver a product consistently across the globe to a brand standard? And one of my projects with the forensic uh, pathways company uh, was actually putting in a, an ISO nine thousand and one system. So again, we're, we're, we're looking at how you deliver consistent quality. Mm. And, the hospital, uh, and the Institute of Hospitality had their Hospitality Assured standard, which was really the concept was to deliver professionalism and quality to the industry. So I thought, well, let's, let's give this a go. And this was before we'd, we'd sold the, uh, the hotel, but uh, still working alongside. So... I was offered a, a, a role as a self-employed assessor, and that entailed going through some assessment qualifications, etc., hmm. and working and, and working as part of a team to to deliver to the industry the, the, the quality standard 
And that's really taken me to my role now where I'm director um, and we've seen uh, we talk about we talk we touched on it earlier about hospitality is everywhere um, because when when we when I first started it was very much a product where it was the traditional hospitality so hotels restaurants conference centers and the biggest growth markets that we have now are in facilities management care homes and universities right well I'd I can understand care homes because um, you know we are we're of the boomer generation now, right? We are hitting that kind of uh, that kind of age category, I guess, where that might become more uh, prevalent. But the other two, uh, that's really interesting, actually. I would I wouldn't necessarily have uh, have thought that. Well, universities are realizing they've got customers, not students. Right. Well, I mean, they are, you know, students are paying enough for the, <laughs> for the service of being educated, aren't they? Really. Exactly. And they're developing these food concepts, but their competitors are the high street. Yeah. And if they don't get it right on campus, then the students will migrate to the high street. Yeah. Well, God, well I, now you've, got, you've triggered memories of my experience of our rectory, I think they called it, or refectory, something like that, um, <laughs> where the food offer was, I mean, so terrible, but because it was cheap and you were a student, that was really all you cared about. But I would imagine that um, as pilots become more enlightened and people's awareness of food is more enlightened than it was 20 years ago, then this is something that you've really got to be considered about. Yeah, absolutely. You know, student bars, if, if, it, if it's not on trend, they'll go to the local bar or, or the local trendy hub or, or wherever. So yeah. the aim of the, 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 the universities is to keep these people on site. So let's create something that's, uh, that's in line with the, the high street. Mm. And similarly with, facilities management which is an area that I would never have considered in the early days of hospitality assured but again the marketplace has changed and we're getting some large or we're getting a lot of large high-tech buildings in London and the provinces and they they're quite complex to manage these days when you've got building management systems engineering uh, technology and, and everything so we're work we the trend tends to be that CEOs are actually looking at what they what they do. So, what's our core function? Okay, do we sell insurance? Do we sell phones? Do we sell this? Well, well, that's what we should concentrate on, not running the building infrastructure. Right. Let's get specialists in to do that. Got you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that, that makes sense. Absolutely, it makes sense. So they're getting uh, third party operators in. To actually run the infrastructure hmm. and these are quite high profile businesses well they're very high profile businesses and the deals that are done in those buildings run into multi-million pounds indeed yeah so going back to those to those early conversations that we have uh, that we had everyone that walks through their door needs a world-class welcome yeah. They're staying at the, they've flown in from wherever, Australia, Abu Dhabi, wherever. They're staying probably at a high-end property in London. And their whole concept of the business is in the hands of those people that greet them. Yeah. And equally, I suppose if that's a third party operator as opposed to being in-house, then you, you have to get that alignment sorted. Um, you know, because you know, a third party of course, you can, they can be given a brief, but they really have to kind of get on the inside and they've got to really understand 
what the company stand for and you know what does a world-class welcome look like to to them and um, and all of these kind of things and that, that and again you're spot on you know because that the the third party operators really they're running the they're running engineering they're running cleaning they're running reception mm. they're running catering everything that's peripheral to that business operating and as you say you're putting your brand in the hands not now of just your own frontline colleagues but actually a third party's frontline colleagues so actually the 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 understanding and the partnership working that's involved in facilities management is massive yeah um and we go in and and we we uh, craft the services of the third party operator but also up up to act as a measurement for the for the client right got you yeah right i mean it's it sounds very interesting work because i suppose equally you've got you've got quite a cross section of different clients who all will have a different requirement. Uh, and, and so, you know, you've got to wear probably a, a, a few different hats when you come into environments like that. You have, but they're hospitality hats. Every one of them is a hospitality hat right. because that's what we're looking. And we're really privileged to work with businesses that have a different mindset. Right, okay. Um, because you you have to be very brave to yeah. take hospitality assured because you're opening up your business to total scrutiny. Right. And some people get it and some people don't. Yeah. And we can tell if it's not going to work and we'll walk away from it because we never want anyone to do hospitality assured for a clock on the wall. Yeah. There has to be a business benefit. No, indeed. And I, and I, I think equally that comes back to what you were talking about way back at the beginning of the, the chat as well around this focus on retention. Yep. This is a, ma- a massive piece of that jigsaw because you're almost anybody who kind of takes you guys on board is saying to the world, we're taking this bloody seriously. And, you know, we want to, um, we don't just want it to be a plaque on the board, uh, on the wall. We want this to be something that we live and breathe every single day. And And by doing that, they're also, I suppose, showing to the world. It's almost like getting that five-star hygiene rating in your window, right? It's like telling to the world, look, we, you know, we're we're not playing at this. We we're serious about making sure that we're developing world-class cultures that that people want to come and work in. Absolutely, and it is though it is that we're it, we we're dealing with businesses both at a very high end. That as I say, they're, they're world-class businesses, and that world-class welcome is all part of the package. Yeah. And they're investing millions and millions, if not billions of pounds in these buildings. If one client we're working with at the moment is going through, a, uh, it's a, a glo- a, again, a global business, but they're going, they've built a head office right in the centre of London and they're going through a hotelification project. Right. Which is literally to make head office like a hotel. Yeah. And also that uh, this, this, if you like, uh, vision where businesses are also struggling to get colleagues back into the office. Right, yeah. You know, as as we all know, the workplace has changed. So actually, we've got to make the, the work environment fun. Um, and we've got to, uh, you know, and we've got to deliver great food. We've got to deliver spotless cleaning. We've got to deliver a fantastic welcome. So that actually to entice those people back into the office, yeah. why wouldn't you? Yeah, and did well. You got you're giving them 
a few reasons as to why you should want to come back in and be in, in your place of work. You know, and it's bringing in that health and well-being part where, you know, at lunchtime, we'll put on some events, we'll put on some mindfulness sessions, we'll put on some yoga sessions, we'll, we'll, open, we'll open a bar. Mm. Again, we're keeping people on, on site yeah. uh, after work rather than, and also those spaces are very, very expensive. And most of them now come with an event department to actually attract outside uh, business. Yeah, this, uh, this is a total, it just shows you how, how much the industry of hospitality touches the, the world. You know, yeah. not beyond what you might even think, it's going, it's going beyond that now. It's hospitality in the workplace. It is, it is. And, it, it, and, and the same goes for care homes because CQC look after the clinical side of it. So actually that CQC model is prevalent, hopefully anyway, through, throughout the, the, the care side of it is, is pretty much standard and the CQC measures that. Mm. The, the big question that people are asking, and you mentioned the baby boom generation, the baby boom generation are not going to go into a care home per se. Right. Okay. They are they are looking for more of a lifestyle experience. Right. So the um, the hospitality side of it. Okay. Well, what's the food like? Some of them are now coming with pools and uh, gyms. They bring they're, the most of the ones that we work with now have got coffee shops within them. And you know you may have seen it in the press. Um, not well, probably about twelve months ago, the first care home has got an AA rosette. Now, who'd have thought that? Yeah, no. So we're we're switching this care home vision to hotels with permanent residents. But that's ultimately what they are. Well, yes, they are. That's that's exactly it. And the selling point for the care home community, it isn't going to be the care. Yes, the care's got to be important, but that's that's pretty much governed by CQC. It's what's life going to be like there for my mum and my dad? Yeah, no, indeed. Or what's it going to be like for me? <laughs> well, indeed, like? hopefully we're old. We all get old enough to to get there, you know. But the, but um, yeah, I, I mean, I think it's wonderful, Max, and I think it's also wonderful that you know you're you're involved in so many different types of businesses. And I also know you you work with Inverness Airport, yes, as an example. And I know that because uh, they've been the recipient, I think, maybe even the last two years at uh, the IOH uh, awards when you do your own awards within. Uh, that section that they they've been uh, winning and that's close to my heart because my i have two family members that work there one on the passenger assistance side uh, and the other one i think is just a kind of general gopher type assistant but that speaks volumes to me because they both bloody love working there you know so that whatever it is that you're doing is working because it's 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 filtering through to the people that matter the most which is as we come back to what we're talking about all the way back at the beginning you know is the is the boots on the ground it's the people who are actually delivering the, the service to the, the guest in whatever form that looks like. But it sounds like you're such a critical conduit between that CEO vision in whatever business that might look like and getting that message down whilst imparting your own knowledge of what hospitality really, really looks like. Yeah, and, and you know, we're immensely proud of working with Inverness Airport because it's a small regional Highland Airport mm. and it constantly receives the highest scores for service delivery from the the airport quality commission in europe right so how is that happening how you know and 
as you say, you know, we we very much look at it, or or I like to look at it as a bit of an inverted hierarchy. Actually, those colleagues on the front line are the most important. They've got your brand, and all the infrastructure and the CEO are underneath supporting that mechanism. Yeah. Rather than looking at it, if you like, the other way around. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And. I believe firmly and I can prove that actually that that way of thinking delivers results. Mm. It's just, it can be perhaps controversial sometimes if you don't want to hear it, yeah. but it is, it, it is as, as I say, that your brand is in the hands of everybody that the customer comes into contact with. It's yeah. not the CEO, it's not the accounts department, it's not marketing. And I suppose your your success is is probably reliant on complete buy-in from top to bottom. Absolutely. So a typical hospitality assured assessment will be uh, an hour or two with the CEO to get the the vision, the values, the the whole feel of the organisation, and then we go right through the organisational structures, the middle management, and then we go right through to the frontline teams. So we're checking all those conduits, all those all those links. Okay, if the CEO is telling us we're, going, we're, we're the biggest, we're the best, but if your frontline team don't know that and what the vision is and how you're going to get there, you're not going to get there, are you? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, as I say, it's it's a massive privilege. And when we go back to to something somewhere like Inverness Airport and you've written the you've written your findings, you you've given them pointers, and you go back and actually. They're there. They've done it. Yeah. That is probably one of the most rewarding feelings you could ever, ever want, because you're saying they listened, they've improved, they recognised it, and I helped them get there. Mm. I can only imagine. It's um, yeah, and and I think we need to shout about the the companies that are taking this stuff seriously, because I, you know, for me, it's it's one of the re- the the main reasons uh, or the main ways in which we fight back against this negative perception of what it is to, to work in hospitality because you know actually if you've got more more and more companies who are taking this stuff seriously who are devoted to the people that come and work in their environments and then you can see the benefit that that's having on the business you know then that's how we ultimately become the greatest industry to work in um yes. you know, and, a, and, a, and a career of choice as opposed to the career i fall back into Exactly, and and I think as hospitality professionals, all you know, all of us, that I find that very hurtful mm. when when people say, "Oh, well, I'm just doing it because you know it's a career." Yeah. Um, and I think personally, British hospitality has a lot to offer. We've got some fantastic brands, such as the Pig and Hoxton and Harbour Hotels and all those. Be, you know that can be rolled out we've got it we've got a very strong industry but mm. we're not recognized yeah and we're not recognized by the if you like the officials i.e government mm. and we're not recognized probably if i think it's fair to say by the population in general indeed well um, I, I think but, you know i'd sum it up by saying hospitality uh, hospitality the industry it's a fantastic conduit for social mobility and it's a fantastic conduit for redevelopment of rundown areas. Yeah. Um, I went to South Africa and 
the the area was described as edgy but up and coming but there was a Hilton there <laughs> yeah and, so that, that's the real estate agent speak isn't it the up and coming and area means there's some it, development to be done yeah and it was probably more more edgy than up and coming right. but they put a, a a hotel right in the middle of it mm. and slowly you could see that regeneration and revolve evolving yeah well i mean it, it creates jobs doesn't it um uh for that local community and um uh and then that that you know feeds the money out into that community a little bit further and so on and so forth and as you say it's, it's a wonderful um conduit to, to social mobility and i don't think anybody's actually used that as a as a reference point as to why this is such a wonderful industry so i think you might you might be a pioneer on the show max <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, it is, you know, and I, I work with a lot of uh, young people mentoring and uh, people from all sorts of backgrounds and hospitality can take you where to the it's taken me to places I never dreamt I could go. Yeah. And I've got friends. There's not many cities around the world that I can't pick the phone up and say, oh, I'm coming, I'm coming over. You know, can we get together, or can or anything? It, mm. It's it's massive. It may not be the highest paid, but the the benefits outweigh the pay brand, and that's getting much better. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and if you get, uh, um, uh, as as I say, I, I'm immensely passionate about hospitality as a uh, as an industry and where it can take you from whatever background. I could not agree more. And that, to me, sounds like a, a wonderfully positive way to wrap things up. Max, thank you so much. What a fantastic journey you've had so far. I, uh, I for one, am a massive fan of what you're doing with Hospitality Assured, something that I wasn't particularly aware of until maybe about a couple of years ago. And uh, But I, I, I think industry should get, be getting right behind what you, you guys stand for and what you're trying to achieve, because I think with more of that, we, we take a massive stride forward. Well, thank you. Thank you for that. You know, I absolutely love Hospitality Assured and I know it works because I've seen it yeah. work and, and it has to be, you have to get it. You either get it or you don't. Yeah. And as you say, the ones who don't, that's fine. No problem. We move on. Yeah. But those that, those that get it, you know, go on to blossom, prosper and thrive. Yeah. Without question. Max, thank you so much. I wish you a very pleasant day and year ahead. And uh, I'm sure we'll catch up again soon. Great, Phil. And have a great 2024. You too. Thanks so much. Cheers. And there we have it. A wonderful career so far from Max, also with some twists and turns and some things I thought I'd never hear mentioned in the same breath as hospitality. We will, of course, be back next Wednesday with another wonderful story from hospitality. But until then, thanks so much for listening and we'll see you next week.